Mm-hmm. Spend all day stuffing CDs and like, like some get on the phone and like try and book a tour and mm. you know like. Hold on one second, guys. Hey, um, this is season three, episode five of the Art Fight Podcast, <laughs> and uh, we're already going. So anyway, have what we been saying? listening to theme music, or am I the only one hearing that? No, we're all listening to it. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was we like, might just keep music Joe, going. Joe, you've time. really been able to just kind of talk through it as if it wasn't there. <laughs> we just yeah, you're. Oh, I like it. I hear the music too. Yeah. Um, anyway, the music has called us here today, so we're gentlemen. Here with, we're here with. Uh, it kind of makes me want to start talking like Barry White. I know, yeah. right? It always, yeah, yeah it always oh, makes me feel. Yeah, like, yeah we mm. put us in the zone. But yeah, so we're here yeah. with old friend, young friend, old friend, Max Starks, Max Limeball Starks, Max Starks Limeball, aka whatever you want to call me. Yeah. Just don't call me late for supper. Mac Daddy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Max Starks, as as he is known to the to the broader world. Um, what's up? How are you doing? Doing good. I'm I'm happy to see you guys. Yeah. So um, you were just talking about how uh, our podcast with Ariel um, Bowie was really interesting and sort of illuminating. And I agree because um, she really pulled us all back through the the sort of reminder of the 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 grind the grind state of of just trying to yeah. self produce and and make something yourself and the brutality of that while also trying to process <laughs> trying to process everything you're going through as a human being and how to uh-huh. memorialize your feelings mm-hmm. and how to do that in a way that seems responsible but not necessarily like um, um, giving too much credence to things to where it's just perpetual if that makes any sense like you're yeah, sort of trying no, to I think Ariel yeah. is actually inspiring in that way because she is she's really smart and she like these things happen in these sort of like what can sort of maybe seem to someone with a different perspective as like this insurmountable thing you've just come across and she just is sort of all right what's next what's the next avenue what's the next channel and just kind of keeps going mm-hmm. i thought what was really interesting too is that <clears throat> the idea that she's reconciling with old work in a yeah. in a new way right and reapproaching um conceptually you know sort of revisiting the mind of where you were say a decade ago and then yeah. having this kind of 10th anniversary Did she write of, a letter to her yeah. younger self or something yeah, yeah. so um it's very cool and I think that that, that um, what's the word what are they uh, what do they say in corporate boardrooms oh that dovetails nicely into mm. um, like your so you know for those who don't know um, which I guess there's 300 million people or so in America, right? So surely someone doesn't know. So there's probably some people that don't know who you are. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, you are a longtime uh, music maker, um, songwriter, artist in many capacities. And you've also, um, like many of us, sort of had to, to do things like real life and then manage. Yeah, I, get, I get a whole lot of real life every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all of it's really still music, right? I mean, that's what's interesting to me is, I don't know, I guess I'm curious to see, like you had, you know, you had in the earliest days, you had what, you know, Farmer Not So John and, yeah. and uh, you know, you're sort of youth on a label, touring, mm-hmm. you know, sort of um, in the idiom that you would have always dreamed of, right? Like the rock and roll dream. Yeah, like at some point I, I really, during those years, I felt like, oh man, we're I've just got a tiger by the tail now. Like it's just... I just sit back now and just let it all happen, mm. which was like the most naive <laughs> thought I could have possibly had. Yeah. I remember this time when um, our band, this was when, um, uh, you know, Iris Dement, mm. um, the singer, she, uh, uh, my bandmate Richard was playing 
um, in her band and this was like this she had this one record on Warner Brothers and it's like the only time she had, had ever toured with a band and so she had this kind of like label paying for her tour and um, and we she, she invited us to open and so we were following the bus in our van and, and I remember this day we were driving through Oklahoma and <laughs> um, our label we had this great publicist who was our friend had gotten us this story in USA Today and that was like when USA Today was like this you know every, the every inter- hotel room internet. and it was like yeah it was the internet and we, <laughs> like, we like, we're like going out on this tour and we're gonna we're opening for this like nationally touring artist and and then we just pulled into a gas station and there we are right there on that USA Today and I was like see here it is <laughs> I'm 27 no, no more problems yeah, <laughs> you've arrived. It, it didn't even occur to you that like you're the band in the van following the bus, like is or were you yeah, on the bus? No, uh, well, no. Okay. I, 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 I did, that was that was kind of right, right on the, that right bus around actually the for for a while because I, oh, I I did some shows solo as well and, yeah. I, and I sort of stowed away on the bus. Nice. But um, um but yeah, yeah right, exactly. I mean, time. we were like, you know, we were driving crazy distances while like everybody on that bus was asleep in a mm-hmm. pod, mm-hmm. and we we're like, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to keep up with it, and then mm-hmm. like you know, setting up all our own gear and like breaking it all down really fast to get <laughs> mm-hmm. it out of the way, and like, yeah. but like you know, we were in our twenties, and and like we were, I, th- I think we were working hard, you know, but um, but I I do think that I kind of thought like this was what I always dreamed of doing um, particularly in a band like even like in later years like doing work as a solo artist like it's been like kind of a cheap substitution for like being in in a real band Mm -hmm. Um, you know like it just it it just felt like I think I just kind of thought there was something permanent about it even though that goes against every evidence of just about every band I've ever yeah. seen before. <laughs> this brotherhood is unique. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. We're all for one, one for all, and we each bring this, some kind of unique thing to the table. And right, you're like, Thin Lizzy didn't, ha- doesn't, didn't have what we have. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't hack it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, and I guess we've all sort of had these kind of moments of, of you know, early music uh, sort of success in some way mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, I guess what I'm particularly curious about is you know so how many years was that ago right like it was like 20 years ago yeah that was 20 years ago yeah mm-hmm. so you still have just as much, much energy exactly. I'm sure <laughs> for like all night driving and all that oh man um, well I mean even if I did like I can't imagine how that would fit into my life mm. yeah you got some different pieces now for sure in, in a yeah. good way in a good way I love playing the, I mean I love playing for for people so you got a, <laughs> the last time you put out a, a formal record under yeah. your name was when 2006 yeah so um and I've had one in the works um, since Twitter started <laughs> pretty much <laughs> that's awesome though no so I, I I walked away completely in 2006 yeah, you did yeah yeah um I, I like I, I had gotten so depressed that I didn't I that like making music was so tied to all this other stuff that had like really gotten me into this emotional hole and somehow during that time I guess because I had to start building my own websites because I was poor and I couldn't pay anyone to do mine 
um, I started building websites for other people. And I think like that was, that kind of like turned on this other kind of light bulb, which was this kind of realization that everything I had been doing was all about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though like, I'm, you know, I'm just building these websites and this was like during the flash heyday before the iPhone came along and killed it. And mm-hmm. basically I just like built somebody a flash website and somebody else liked that one. And then, and then like on and on. And, and so like, I kind of, and you know, it was like, I, f- I feel like they're a pretty creative websites. They're like all just for musicians, but like most importantly, it was like, handing it off to someone else and doing a thing for someone else yeah. you know like being in the business of of serving others serving and up, others uplifting others and, and just you, kind of realizing like how like like what was really making me so depressed was this sort of like uh, perspective i had com- combined with this kind of enforced narcissism of self-promotion um that i think and I still feel like I'm permanently done with that. I mean, at least like in any kind of way that I was doing it before. <clears throat> but I am back to making some music. Yeah, so and that's got to be... Um, uh, I feel like I've got a similar, in my own way, sort of similar experience where, you know, I've, I've put things down for a while and then other people say, well, God, it seems like you've been doing so much. So it's weird. Everybody has their own perception about how active you've been or what that means or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm always amazed by like people like, uh, like Jeff Coffin or people like that where it's just ever since I've known the guy, you know, and he's been doing this for since forever mm-hmm. and he plays one instrument and he just is focused on that yeah. and he just mastered that and it's just been doing that every day mm-hmm. for the yeah. last you know, three decades or whatever it is. I'm always in some strange state of admiration for people like yeah, that. Yeah, me because, too. Because it's just so singular and, and, and simple. I'm not saying it's not made of its own complexities or difficulties in right. politics and God knows all the other self-promotional issues or God knows whatever else. But but when you're a singer, songwriter, also like you're a really good guitar player on your own, right? So like you've got, you've got a lot of different sort of things in that capacity, but and then you've got all this um, ability to sort of creatively consult with people and then serve other people and then that's led you to like a whole career path yeah it has um yeah it's in some weird ways i guess i've been feeling over the last year or two that like all these what really felt like kind of disparate um directions have like kind of have sort of come together into one sort of unified thing i, I think um, I, I really experienced that. Um, actually, this summer, I was asked to produce a project. Um, this guy that was my best friend in college um, is a drummer, and his wife is a singer and a songwriter, guitar player. And they live in this rural county in Virginia, um, in, the, in the mountains. And they have these friends they've been playing with for years. It's just like this kind of casual group of friends. But they, they, they're creative, they write, they're talented. Um, and they actually, they, they just decided, like, we've, we've been doing this so long, let's, like, let's actually, like, produce a record. Um, and they applied to the county for um, grant money and, and got this grant to do it. And they asked me to produce it. And leading up to that, um, and I had co-produced a couple of records in the past, 
but like this, I had never like been kind of solo in the driver's seat in mm-hmm. this way. And I had all this, I was so worried mm-hmm. going into it, all this imposter syndrome. Like, I, who do I think I am? I'm not a producer. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And then I went and I really felt like a fish in water and, and had a ton of fun doing it. It just, just felt really natural to me. Did and, you go there and record it in West Virginia? Uh, yeah. It's yeah. And the project's not finished yet. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're mixing it in November, but um, went and recorded it in this, uh, one of the people in the band has this uh, beautiful property that has a little lake on it. Um, at least I understand it's beautiful. I was inside the studio. The whole <laughs> yeah, time. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Everybody else was taking breaks. Get that studio tan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but a, but a very cool studio. Um, uh-huh. Just like a really open studio. Um, so, but I guess my point is that I think that is when. Um, I think like I, I started to realize that uh, for me, like I'd need to be able to control the kind of means of production. I mean, like I the the things I don't know about actually turning knobs and getting good sounds, I can know those things. I've mm-hmm. I can learn Pro Tools. I've you know in the same way that I learned how to build Flash websites. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I have the skills to sort of connect the dots. And that would enable me to not always feel like I'm on someone else's time if I want to make music or if I'm mm. like doing it because here's here's my reason for doing it and here's exactly what I hope to accomplish. I'm going to play a guitar part tonight on this track um, and and then fall back on my sort of like kind of canned ways of doing things, whereas... I guess my vision now is to just be completely free with it. I mean, it sounds really trite and cliche, but I mean, I have melodies going through my head all the time. Like, uh, like go to the basement. Like uh, I hear this melody as a bass, grab the bass off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Step one, Plug grab bass. Record <laughs> that. Yeah. Then go brush teeth walk daughter to school, go to the job. I mean, that's kind of how it feels, but Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have like tons of time carved out for this, but like, yeah. But if you have the space and you've got the setup, then you don't need as much time. You can actually run down and record a bass part while, you know, kids are taking a nap or whatever's going on. And you got a second after dinner to go ahead and, uh, you know, edit that bridge again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the reality that it just, has to work that way. I think there's mm-hmm. like a I think there's a mythology around sort of what progress is and what um uh getting work done yeah. is especially around in, in in music can be certainly a vortex in this way where it's like so yeah, if you're producing records, you know, you're 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 task mastering, you're managing, you're sort of trying to make sure you're, you know, even if you don't know all the ins and outs of all the technical, you're like I know that that's a darker microphone, that's a darker vibe for this. This is you know, I feel like that. You know, uh, this musical part needs an embellishment in this way, and also that was out of key, but actually really cool. So we'll keep that. You know, <laughs> and all those kind of judgments. You know, um, and then running a project and project management, right? In, yeah. in, in a basic way, and, and so that's all great and fine. But then when you're sort of adapting that to your personal, creative, home-based, studio-based modality, 
um, the smallest amounts of progress are huge. Yeah. And and and, uh, and it's cool because you can really leverage that. Like I'm gonna marinate on these things. I'm not saying like I'm gonna work all day on Saturday and Sunday and, and then bleed out everything. And then you know you can just be like, no, I'm just gonna put some good energy into this one bass part and then walk away. And then every once in a while I'll come by and just hit playback and kind of see what's yeah. going on and see how that fits with my like wow that sounded pretty good to me in the morning but when at night that just sounds really wrong to me like it's got too much push behind it or the parts are not right whatever so i feel like that's l- a really important point brian because yeah. I, I i i think that i have learned about myself that i am working on if i sort of keep well if i really care about a project that i'm working on um it will stay with me kind of whatever i'm doing throughout the day yeah. and like it doesn't kind of take a whole lot to maintain it being kind of top mm. of mind. You know, like uh, sometimes I'll even dream about something that I'm working on and I have literally like solved creative problems. Yeah. Overnight. Well, yeah. like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, like you this, too can solve your creative problems overnight <laughs> no, while you're sleeping. Like, I think that actually might yeah. even be less likely to happen if I said I'm going to work all day Saturday and Sunday because mm-hmm. then then you're just uh, just kind of forcing and burning. Yeah, forcing yeah. and burning. Yeah, like because mm-hmm. I'm I think this is also. Um, this might be like sort of a creative hack for people that are a little older <laughs> because I, I think in my 20s it was a little different than what it is now in my 40s because I really, I have the same experience. Like I will have uh, a myriad of problems that I've sort of set up for myself through the day that I, you know, I'm just kind of calmly putting aside and then definitely like I wake up and it's all strung together. My subconscious is yeah. done. It's like there's some weird crock pot of like <laughs> subconscious feeling that goes on. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's so clear. So that was actually going to be my next point is that, uh, and I'm not here to give specific recommendations, but at least like for me, some of the best stuff that I've done in the last couple of years um, has been. You're not going to, you're not going to tell me to do ayahuasca, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might want to put that, um, <laughs> that water down. No, but um, so uh, and there's, How a, there's do a bucket you over like there. The water. <laughs> By the way, like I'm all for like uh, psychedelic experimentation, but it's really weird that it's everything is so turbo with drugs now. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean I have to like throw up and hallucinate to yeah. hallucinate now? Like, can I just? I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's kind of like going to a spa now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway. like you just go down t- to Tulum. <laughs> That's right. And you do do five days of yoga first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, oh, but what I was gonna say is like um that if you can uh, the cool thing about getting older is that it's easier to get up earlier in the morning um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason because we just don't need as much sleep because our, our own internal sense of the mortality clock is going so it gets you up early you're like oh my god <laughs> it's all running out the time's running out no but um maybe that's just me but um, but I wake up in the morning have those little problems solved like I would say like as you're cause I, you know we definitely want to talk more about this but you're building your own studio in your house now and this is kind of what this is all getting to so um, if you set aside time to like wake up before everybody else and have like even just 30 to 40 minutes to like immediately dump all those things and then start your day. Um, I, I, you know, I think that that's like a really good, that's been really good for me. And when I've been able to stick to that, uh, it's been so helpful. It's just, yeah. And really just going, like, it's just 30 minutes, man. Like, Maybe my daughter can move into your house for a week and okay. see how that goes. <laughs> right, it's impossible to get up before her, right? <laughs> how do you get up before someone early, that never riser. sleeps? Yeah. Um, 
And honestly, we would love that. So you just like, yeah. I, people complain about their kids when they're teenagers. Mm. Like, they sleep till noon. Do you remember when she used to sleep till four? <laughs> yeah, I don't care if she's a satanic loving, like whatever yeah. the you know heavy metal. Yeah, uh, like she sleeps aggro. till noon. Yeah. Like, I get him half my day in before this person even wakes up. I don't care what she's carving on the walls in there. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, I, I do yeah. uh, every once in a while have that early morning thing going. Mm. This morning, actually, I, I had to go in and at my day job was was doing the fun drive on the air during uh, at seven a.m. starting at seven, so I had to get up early. And man, the house is peaceful, and mm. I have. Have yeah. thoughts then. If you're not in Nashville, Max Day Job is. Uh, what, what, what do you? What's your actual title? Digital. I am the director of digital services. That's really good. At Nashville Public Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> we should get you to cut the uh, the little yeah. sort of uh, support our podcast uh, fun yeah. drive. Yeah. You because know, our, our whole thing, by the way, is like you can go to Anchor. Do you like art? Do you like fighting? Yeah. <laughs> Anchor.fm forward slash uh, Art Fight Podcast. And then there's like a button that says, you know, support this podcast and it comes up and you can pledge monthly like 99 cents oh, yeah. or 499 or whatever. Kind of like a Patreon kind of thing. But it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. And so we encourage listeners to do that. But and that's not really necessarily why I'm talking about it right now. But we a million are, listeners. But while you're at 99, 99 cents each. <laughs> but you can. Yeah, you need me to do some pitching. <laughs> so that, here's the thing. I want to run our strategy. This is our strategy. Our strategy is that our drive, how we know we've met our goal is that we have one million supporters at the 99 cents a month level. So that would give us a million dollars a month. Oh, yeah. To produce this this uh, three microphone yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah that's content 99 cents a month that count is me in. content I, you know I'll be one more drop in that bucket thank you it's a big bucket yeah um, oh wait one, one other dive thing, in one other thing I wanted to kind of throw at you too is that you know um, uh, you have obviously like you know what two three full length full length records that you did uh, b- two with the you... band and then two solo records right so um, in your sort of re-immersion you know kind of process that you're in now I know that you've you know you've been playing some shows and you've been kind of like stepping out and that's really awesome and it's so healthy to do right I'm sure it's been sort of a weird kind of welcome home to yourself right it has been it really has felt that way yeah I've played these shows um, with Matthew Ryan um, over the summer and I hadn't seen him in 10 years, which like kind of felt like yesterday because that's how it is when you get older, mm-hmm. I guess. But like my band used to play shows with him all the time at 12th and Porter in the 90s. And um, so I opened for him like three times, uh, like this little residency. And uh, it, and so p- some people showed up, you know, that we hadn't seen for a long time. And it just felt like, so, um, I don't know, like, there was the nostalgia piece, but then also, and like, if it did feel like such a welcoming thing to, to do, but also like, I, I realized like what was different as well. And I have like less anxiety around like standing in front of an audience and playing. I feel like I'm generally speaking more kind of connected to what I'm doing and understand why I'm doing it and what it means to me and what it doesn't mean to me. The, compared to you when you were in your 20s, you mean? Yeah. 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 Um, it's strange. It's almost like the most productive thing you can do sometimes is to not do anything. 
to kind of like if you were, if you just were to stay to pedal to the metal for all these years, who knows if you would yeah. have still been actualized in that way? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm like or maybe you split the, like split the difference. <laughs> my admiration for the Jeff Coffins of the world yeah. and like artists who really sort of stay really focused on the kind of path ahead of them, even if it leads to dark places like the one that I was in. You know, I have a deep admiration for that, but you know, I would just say that that has not been my road. Yeah. Um, and whatever road that I am on has value in the sense that it is the road that I am on. That's right. Um, and that's probably something you have to and kind it got of me constantly here. check in with yourself about, right? Because it's easy to. You're 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 so cognizant of all the sort of the trappings that you might have been in before, and all mm-hmm. the other sort of areas of youthful sort of uh, misstepping or whatever that everybody does. I, I thought I had it made, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. And then now you know more like the why, which is the most important thing. But but um, but I imagine you're gonna you're gonna be right back into some of those traps, like the harder that you, you know, like in this kind of pro, like as because you, you're working on a record right now, right? Or you're getting ready to really your studio is just now coming together, so you're gonna be starting to go at it. And you're gonna you're gonna have these moments, I would bet, where you're like, I need to check myself because I'm yeah. so aware that this is not what I need to be worried about. Right. I should yet probably still... make some signs now and tape right. them on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, I I hate to say it, but the the one thing that makes me get um, a lot of things done, and I I really hate to say this, and it sounds terrible, um, but and it's sort of nihilistic, but I'm just like, no one cares and nothing matters anyway. <laughs> right. I just go that yeah. dark about it because I'm like, whether this part or whether this sound is tweaked exactly this yeah. way or whether this part yeah. elicits this feel, like, yeah. guess what? No one gives a shit. Like, people give a shit, but they don't give a shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wish that I would have in my earliest times, I mean, not that I ever really did anything where I gave a shit, but uh, I would have gotten a lot more done faster, I think, That's just just to kind of just write it off and just keep going, just keep yeah. just keep moving forward and then half the stuff you're bending yourself out of shape for, you kind of even forget that it was a dilemma. Right, yeah. Or, yeah. or, or like, you know, we've all, made, we've all made records here, right? So you've all been in this place where you're in the studio and there's like some tonality or some guitar part or some vocal note or something and you're like oh, I'm just trying to like wriggle and writhe my way out of this feeling that I get when I hear that note that I don't like that one little mm, micro yeah. moment yeah. and it creates this avalanche of second guessing all this oh, yeah. shit and then you just realize like just I mean I would imagine if you got Led Zeppelin together and you know and we're like okay let's go back and listen to Led Zeppelin 1 yeah. like Robert Plant would be like oh god you know yeah yeah I mean I, I I definitely feel that way about some of my early recordings but then the other thing the opposite thing happens too because you're so your focus is so magnified on details when you're in the studio and you know like sounds and like those little tiny passing parts um <laughs> Or even just that, space. You, you kind of yeah. don't even just just realize how zoomed in you are on that. So like, you know, putting something aside and coming back to it later, sometimes you just like are able to just break that obsession mm-hmm. with the detail and just see the the whole thing more yeah. clearly. So do you think that now, because like you know, especially back in the old days uh, when there was this thing called analog media. 
that we all recorded to. And then, you know, the, the early days of digital and all that, um, we all often, and I'm sure this still happens in any kind of way, but we all got in this place where you're ch- doing like demo chasing, you know, where you, rec- yeah. you record a demo or something mm-hmm. and you capture the spirit of some time. And oh, you're yeah. like, man, like, even though like I'm a little off key here and this car went by and this other thing happened, like, and then you go into to make like the perfect recapturing of a moment that yeah. is never able to be recaptured, but you can't help but perceive the mental yeah. sort of gulf between what what like nobody yeah. will ever hear the demo you're chasing. Right. Yeah, it's Bruce like, Springsteen's Nebraska. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's totally. That's I mean, the that demo totally we're all weird. chasing. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that's like basically you just recorded that on a four track on yeah. a cassette and then tried right. to make an album of it, and then it was like, I just like this better. Can we just master this? I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a Springsteen connoisseur. That's, so that's the good ultimate. To know. That's like the ultimate version of what you're talking about, where yeah. the guy's just like, no. I'm putting my foot down we're releasing the demo yeah. so I guess I just wonder like um, you know it's interesting because now you have the ability to, to be making the perfect tracks mm-hmm. it, it, you know as you go yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how you edit yourself and how because there's all these gradations of you don't just record the demo like now you have like well these are just kind of uh, like rough draft bass track I'm not gonna put the pressure on myself I just wanna kinda get it down and yeah, like, you know, I, yeah. right I mean I, th- I feel like um <laughs> Well, when I started working on this record that I have been working on for three years, probably, um, with Dave Coleman, um, he lives two blocks from my house, um, although I don't see him enough. He's got a studio in his basement. And he and I have just been doing a lot of stuff, just the two of us, and then sometimes we're bringing other people in. Um, but like, I was really sort of obsessed in the early process of this with rules. Mm. Like I was at the time, I was listening to a lot of like really like kind of country politan sort of mid '60s country kind of stuff, and I don't write songs that sound anything like that. But like sonically, I was sort of obsessed with them. Like uh, just everything having this part, this really mm-hmm. specific part, and being in this like really sort of defined place in the mix, and mm-hmm. had sort of like the sort of simplicity of it. So I was like, okay, here's like we can only do. Um, okay, there's going to be no percussion overdubs, and like we, I can't even remember like the whole like but complex cons- rules that we sort of like awesome. set up for ourselves. But like I feel like like what's kind of grown from that for me is just this idea of <clears throat> the studio. The reason I want to have my own studio is to not be precious about it because I mm-hmm. always have been precious about recording in the past and I feel like I hear that in mm. what I've done uh-huh. and and like I you know this may just sound completely egotistical but sometimes when I'll just be like playing somewhere even by myself and I, I will like what I'm hearing out of the monitors better than I like the records that Mm. spent all this time on and like all these overdubs and like you know I mean I, I I'm not criticizing these records because I I think each one in their own way is you know they just are like a like a footprint of where I was and like the last solo record I released that I did with Nielsen Hubbard I, I love but um, <clears throat> I, I think I, there's this guy I heard about recently and he his name is John Cunaberti. Do you know who this is? He's an uh-huh. he's a producer and audio engineer. 
and he like has a history in um, recording in this really controlled way. He like worked with Joe Satriani for a really long time, but then wow, he like kind of <laughs> people that need control, <laughs> right? Constraints. Yeah, you would like, think. I can play anything. <laughs> Just, and I'll you would think all. like that record, like, the, like those records, I mean, I, I don't really know what they sound like, I guess, but like, I imagine them to be like really tightly produced. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just kind of talking about how bands spend way longer making records now than they ever did before. And they hate them when they're mm-hmm. finished. Um because these tools just like b- it becomes about the tools and like there's somewhere in there they've lost like actually making music mm-hmm. and so he created this thing called the one mic project where he his he this was also kind of like an engineering feat that he wanted to prove to the world that he mm-hmm. could like produce something that like sounds like well produced with one microphone so he's like recording full bands and he has this huge like capsule like uh it's a stereo ribbon mic mm-hmm. and he like spends quite a while with the band ahead of time oh yeah uh you know like okay that the drums need to move a little bit further back and like yeah and and there's a stereo image so like you know there's you're mixing it so you're just mixing it by and, the mixing the environment and yeah. and like he talks about how the bands ended up loving the experience so much mm-hmm. and I and you can watch these things he's also got like somebody filming them so they're all on YouTube <clears throat> um, but you can tell the musicians are loving it because they're actually doing what they love to do kind mm-hmm. of liberated from themselves yeah. yeah yeah it's more it becomes more of a just a live performance at that point versus a recording session right? yeah because yeah. there's because all that all that bullshit of like well I can't move and there's this thing and you gotta be close to it and uh, yeah. all that stuff that's out the window now there's like it's almost like the mic's invisible because it's just recording everything yeah so let's just play right, I, right. <laughs> I mean so and everybody's really listening to each other because mm-hmm. they've got to they're having to mix themselves exactly mm-hmm. you know that's what's so funny because I like you know I, I produced records in my studio for a lot of years and I remember I was working with this one band that I was really putting through a very similar sort of ringer of like you're not going to make a record the way you've ever made a record before because you guys are playing way too many notes you're doing you're all great but you gotta like you've got to refine everything and it's not going to be achieved through multi-track editing later like this is going to happen now and so what I I just remember um, uh, setting up uh you know, for the, I, it was still, it wasn't quite as, you know, intense as that, but it was still like, I did a lot of stuff with one microphone, but still just doing a multi-track. So when we were doing mm-hmm. the drum tracks, uh, you know, I would just set up, I mean, this is how I did almost all the drums for everything I ever produced was just one Coles ribbon mic, set it up for the drums. And it was so funny because the drummer would be, uh, and it's funny, he's like in a really big band now, but back then he was kind of rough around the edges, I think in a lot of ways. Um, and so it was really hard for him and mm-hmm. hard for a lot of drummers because I said, here's one microphone. Yeah. And I remember it being in the talk back in the studio and he'd be like, hey, um, and he just kept forgetting that it was just one microphone. He'd be like, hey, can you give me a little bit more of like the kick and the snare in my headphones? And I was like, okay, well, you can either play the kick and the snare louder or inversely, everything else but the kick and the snare quieter right. up to you yeah however you want to mix yourself yeah yeah and it would just you could see like brain exploding <laughs> that's fantastic and i just remember being like uh and it, a lot of that goes back to like jazz like because i would tell people like look this is if this is good enough for like you, you're in a, a band that's starting out great this is how elvin jones recorded drums this is how the beatles recorded a lot of drums <laughs> like, yeah. are, are you saying that you need something more than 
than that you know yeah. I, don't, I don't think so so like and drummers particularly have been in, uh, come up with the multi-track multi-mic approach yeah. right and so uh, and I and I remember uh, and it was this was all validated but once by uh, Tony Williams when I, I heard him talk about this once you know the late great Miles Davis drummer and everything but he, he said he said the drums are one instrument he said you know and I remember just being like exactly so you know in, in this studio we had a, a grand piano in one of the rooms and I would tell these guys like I'm not, are you gonna ask me to put a microphone on every string on the piano mm-hmm. and then mix it later <laughs> Like, what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so play the drums holistically. Like, you're playing, like, no difference between drums and piano. Mm-hmm. Like, at this, you know, and so, uh, so I'm very much, in, yeah. I, I want to check out that Both project. percussion instruments, yeah, by I, the way. I can't tell you how, how, I mean, it sounds on one level we're having this kind of nerdy yeah. conversation about engineering and music There's production. Zen to it though, right? But yeah. I can't, <laughs> like, tell you how profound it seems to me and how, how much I feel like it cuts to the very core of things. Because I feel like, um, at this point where I was in music 10 years ago was that um, I, it, ha- it didn't have life mm-hmm. for me. Making it didn't have life. So like this idea of building everything around the life is just so incredibly profound. Like, like I, I literally almost got chills when you're talking about like, oh, you want your snare drum louder, play that louder, play the other thing softer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just because it is mind blowing. It's like like get out of the gear and like get into the music. And yeah, I mean, I think the tools are incredible that we have, and and I am all for them. Mm-hmm. I'm all for the fact that I can like um have like this completely professional recording studio in this tiny room in my basement yeah. I know not have been possible before but I just the that perspective of how to use those things and what they're for is so important mm-hmm. when it comes to this idea of being less precious that you were talking about I feel like I just and and you know the things that you were bringing up about like when you were younger and like what you l- have learned since then and I would say that the same thing I feel the same way and that the, the biggest thing for me is I think of it more as like just taking I just don't don't take it so fucking seriously like you know and that on some level it's like if you want to get it across and you want to project the passion you're feeling about this thing Mm -hmm. it's you can do it better if you just chill out like if you chill out and do it it's way stronger and it and it gets across much better and it also reminds me of like um do you know todd green todd green's a painter and a sculptor and he also has made like 20 albums basically with a band called bulb in town and also some of his own stuff but him and i'll talk about songwriting sometimes and and he's got these great he'll come up with these rules right (laughs) So one of the rules he came up with at one point was he was working on a song and he came up with this line that he really liked, but it was just ridiculous. And then he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to make sense. Like, right. oh, it doesn't yeah. have to make any sense. Yeah. How many songs have lyrics that make no sense? And then he kept uh, going. A lot of mine yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And then he just sort of gave himself license to do that. And then later on he was telling me that he had another revelation, which is it doesn't even have to be good. <laughs> and then it's like, and then we had this whole laugh about the fact of like, you know, you, you're, it's, it's can be hard to let yourself feel this way about it because ultimately you do want it to be good. You really mm-hmm. want to ma- write a great song and do a great performance and make a great recording. Yeah. And but somehow you've got to you 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 know it's only rock and roll. You know what yeah. I mean? And and the and as long as you remember that it's like only rock and roll, then you can make then you can do all those things well. But when yeah. you start getting 
too right? precious like and intense and so perfect about it for it to be perfect it's yeah. almost like the yeah it's like those chinese finger puzzles like yeah like trying to yeah. pull out it's exactly what i'm saying on you yeah like the effort yeah doesn't reward you exactly it punishes you actually yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah or like smile. i guess i don't mean effort i mean um it's like the the the. Well, I guess it's, the, like, it's the, about your instinct. The, it's about yeah. it's about your first response. Mm-hmm. There's like a panic yeah. thing going I mean, on there. I think there. like one thing that just comes with age is like your ability to just trust yourself. Yeah. Because um, I I definitely could not. And when I was in my twenties, I second guessed everything. Yeah. Um, and that's just not a a good place to be in when you're making art. Mm-hmm. I think there's something that we all do though in your 20s you're it's because you haven't been down every path you feel like there's got to be a better yeah. path or something that like you're just you're just obsessed with what the yeah, that's grass true. is greener type of thing yeah and then as you get older you're like I'm just glad that I'm even on a path there's something, <laughs> about, there's right. something about just a fundamental level of just the most basic gratitude because like uh, you know all of us have you know um, friends um, that are extremely successful, say, in music, right? You know, that have made a lifetime business out of it and have done the ultimate mega dream of lifetime projects, you know? And, and uh, you know, if our sort of, when we were all sort of back together in those days, like in our early 20s, if you could see what the trajectory was of the future, you would be like, can you, you know, we, and we've all had those moments, right? Like we've had enough success in some basic things where you're like, I can't believe I ever did that. Mm-hmm. Much less, we've got people that have like hyper exponentially and then some had like mega levels of just absolute validation and success and all that stuff. So I think what's interesting too is that I think that when you're younger, you're really inherently uh, comparative mm-hmm. and that that is like the seeds for depression or for... Um, uh, just a negative self-image, or uh, more fuel to continue to question everything. Yeah, that's true. And then, and then, as you get older, in the way that you were talking about earlier, like that, you know, you just recognize, like, oh, this is valid. This is my own. Yeah. This is my road, and this mm-hmm. is my the path. I think that is the basis for which it starts to. I think that the yield of that recognition is to then say, so uh, good for them. Right, like, like I'm happy yeah, for them, right. yeah, and exactly. I'm not like weird, and I don't have this weird underpinning of like jealousy or comparative analysis or, or letting that be some weird fuel for me to question myself. And then what you find out, even when you get past that stage, is like, oh, the people that are the most successful in a lot of these realms, they're also doing grasses greener to look, looking at what you're right. doing, you know, and yeah. looking at your life, you know, and you know, you got friends that are on the road 250 days a year mm-hmm. and they're loving it and they're doing what they love and, and, and I'm happy for them and, and you know, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. But they're looking on from the other side of the prism being like, wow, like you get to have like a house that you can be in all the time and mm-hmm. sleep in your own bed and have a pattern of behavior that is your life and, you know, yeah. a routine and, you know, just, so, it's so easy to get, um, yeah, comparative, and so it's easy. It's nice when you can kind of find ways out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you think when you're younger that somehow your circumstance is the thing that is either I don't know that you either equate that with happiness or with you know recognition, status, or whatever. Like your, your circumstance, whether it's the house you live in or how many records you sold, um, and but I think maybe it's just easy for me to say this because I've never sold a ton of records, but I I don't think that if I had, that it would make anything easier in terms of like kind of 
getting at these sort of essential questions. So if you sold 10 million copies of your last record? 10 million copies. 10 million copies. <laughs> Has anyone sold 10 million copies of a record lately? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's actually what I was going to say. Is like, like, yeah, back when people bought music. I, I, I got a check from BMI the other day that was nice. big enough to buy three frozen pizzas. Whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of Tortinos. <laughs> I think that's a lot. Tortinos. I got a, like what a, those two ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gotten that, I haven't gotten a check that big from BMI. Maybe two. I mean, how many like frozen pizzas? They're like how much are they? Like eight bucks? <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing because I, when I was growing up frozen pizzas when frozen pizzas were like a thing that you did all the time they were like a dollar or whatever and then you're passing by in the grocery store I'm like why, why the hell is a frozen pizza the same price as a yeah. a pizza <laughs> like, what has happened as a, a pizza <laughs> you want to just stop in the middle of Kroger and be like guys this is a conspiracy yeah. this is a racket just shut down this aisle this is Paul all bullshit Paul Newman is bullshit <laughs> this is all bullshit <laughs> But yeah, man, so but I, I I love the idea though that you're that you're circling back and looking at things anew, and I hope that you don't fall down the technical vortex, and uh, because you can. Well, be that's like, interesting. Yeah, I'm really into the technical stuff right now. Yeah, in a way that I've never know, been. Because you're. I just rebuilt a microphone, or basically built one from whoa, scratch. Essentially, okay. do you feel? Do you feel this? And like it was so fun. Yeah. Put the soldering gun down. Yeah. Put it down. I don't know, man. It, I think it's like helping. I feel like the, the, like for me when it comes to, I mean, when I was, when I was first recording music seriously, okay, like after I moved to Nashville and was able to actually get into real recording studios and whatnot, I second guessed everything. I second guessed everything because I was in, on the fucking moon. I didn't know anything, okay? And or I didn't feel like I knew anything. I didn't feel like I had a right to know anything in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I feel that I was I was smart enough to listen and learn and I was also smart enough to find myself in situations where I could take a chance and say I think this would sound good here. Yeah. Let's try this. And and I found quickly that it's like yeah, you've got good instincts for that. That did sound good. Yeah. That was a good solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. But I found, this would be back to the technical thing. I found then, and I still continue to find now, that like the thing that I feel weak about is just like the endless amount of things I could know about audio engineering and yeah. all the gear and all the things I could possibly know about this changing landscape of technology that never ceases to morph. <laughs> right. So that's the thing that makes me feel like, you know, happy that I've got an engineer. Yeah. 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 Well, it's you one know? thing to know like what preamp is ideal to use in this situation. It's another thing, Mac, when you're like, Dealing in capacitors and diodes. Oh, oh man, yeah. that's where the good stuff is. Capacitors and diodes. Yeah. I've been reading. A, I've been reading um, electronics for dummies, like and literally, been reading it on my phone. Checked it out with from the uh, public library phone app, where you oh. can actually you, you can. Uh, did you realize this? You no, can, please tell me. You can just download you, it to you your phone. You can check out ebooks uh-huh. from the public library. Oh, and so I've been like. And you're just reading it on a PDF. not so great. You can't like zoom in on the uh-huh. schematic diagrams. <laughs> you're not actually supposed to be doing this with this. That's how house fires get started. But I've been sort of learning about, uh, well, just the, the creative. Um, I, I bought this kit to like I had this microphone that was like this extremely cheap. Um, 
large diaphragm condenser mic mm-hmm. and I just like stumbled upon somebody that made made this kit for it. it was like replacing it with a, a K47 capsule like like from, like uh. it's like the same kind of capsule that's in a Neumann U47 kind of thing so and they had to sell like it. the circuit board and like a bag full of capacitors resistors diodes and instructions mm-hmm. and like I it was definitely a multi-day like grabbing time when I could like just down so you're there just soldering souping and, like, up your mic so it's you know, and then I word. plugged the thing in and like I just like did like a one mic acoustic guitar vocal thing and listened back and just thought man this sounds good this sounds real um yeah, that's uh, definitely like a wormhole uh, too. That I've, I've had some other friends go down this well, path, and, and all of a sudden they're like, "Dude, I found this guy in in Denmark, and he's got yeah, you know." And right, like, once no. you start getting kits for things, yeah. but it is cool because you can basically take a you can find used like dead microphones on eBay. They're mm-hmm. just the, the mm-hmm. shells for these things that they're designed to kind of go within. For you know, you can find a dead mic for twenty bucks and then turn it into effectively what a five thousand dollar mic would sound like. Yeah, yeah, for like two hundred bucks. And I don't have yeah. five thousand dollars for a mic. Yeah. So and that's like the awesome. that's like the deepest level of DIY I can possibly imagine. It like, seems that way. Not in a bad way. Not a bad way. But yeah. it's totally doable. Yeah. yeah. And so worth it. Well, I love the idea because I mean, to me, that's that's you know the 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 cheap way is always like the. I think it's the it's like the, that's the way you know what I mean yeah. and it's like if it means like learning some electronics and actually building mics and yeah. saving forty eight hundred dollars yeah. then I think fuck I've yeah. been googling like, <laughs> like mods for like every piece of gear I have mm-hmm. and like every amp I have <laughs> so going to replicate so, everything you said, you, you said early on that this might be also like a therapy session for you Mac and so mm-hmm. listen up I'm going to I'm going to offer you're lay it on that, me I'm just going to tell you what I think here okay uh, I am not licensed bring it um Okay, here's what I think. I think, based on everything that you're into right now, that that is the most awesome thing you could possibly be doing because what it's doing is it's you're having a tangible, physical relationship with the recording equipment, and so it's becoming like a, you're putting power, and metaphysical sort of power into these objects that are relational to you capturing your voice and your guitar yeah. and these things so that it's, it's, you feel closer to it, you feel more... Uh, more intimate with it because you know it inside and out literally and and so it becomes more naturally an extension right uh, and you yes. have like this feeling of pride that is <laughs> a feeling of pride that kind of extends out and, and kind of bridges all, all of that to then just sort of the craftsmanship element in total of what you're doing in terms of a melody and a guitar part and a vocal part and the microphone and the signal path and all the things to get yeah. to this place so like it's a more holistic uh, in, holistic uh, I was saying right intention. before we started yeah. recording this that, it's, that it feels like it's all one thing yeah uh, you know it's like uh, but this I metaphor I wasn't done yet though oh sorry here's the other oh, f- no. I'm sorry here's the now you're gonna side. lower the boom yeah be careful of the trap is what I sense because oh, what it getting could, fascinated with the gear to the point where you're you're hyper analyzing what you're hearing versus the tweaks you're making or like ooh do I need like you could get like micro gearitis no, are you sure you're not projecting onto me no no because, because you were around. just saying <laughs> that no, people worry way too much about the sounds they're getting and yeah well I mean I, I have stripped down my I used to have an entire studio now I have like an MPC and a turntable and yeah. a synthesizer so um, but yeah so but I guess my my point is just I can see having to draw lines around that because you, yeah. you could go I just know so many people that get into like you know guitar players are probably the worst about this right where they just go into like 
pickups and gear and how this is set up and what kind of nick and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it's like, just play some music. And I like, need a big amp. Going. No, I need a small amp. Yeah. No, I need a medium-sized amp. No, I need a small <laughs> amp. No, I need a big I amp. I need a huge amp, but really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. It doesn't project, but that's good. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, but that, that's the only, I, I can see like, the yeah, way that like just I had finish this... the mic and then start doing shit. Like don't yeah. like keep f- messing with it. Well, some of it is just absolutely necessary because I'm just like trying to get it to a place where, I mean, I have this sort of vision of like kind of getting like a template in, in Pro Tools mm-hmm. and, you know, I just, I just oh, I got like a it. drum set. I just recently got a bass, Yeah, you know, and like kind of have sort of everything like has its place, its channel. And yeah. so that it gets to a place where, you know, you, it, it's the whole point of that is to get it all out of the way so you can just grab the thing and do the thing that's in your head. I had this metaphor kind of jump into my mind when you were talking and that is like, if you were to, if you were a sailor and you were going to sail (laughs) across the ocean and you showed up at the at the docks one day and what someone microphone said, would you here's, have? <laughs> here's the sailboat that you're going to sail across the ocean and you got on it and like you didn't know anything about it and you got it out and you didn't know how it reacted to stuff and mm-hmm. whatever. But by the time you get to the other side, it's like you have this like oneness with this yeah. thing. And that's like, it doesn't like become not about the sailing, hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. um, but well, this—it's all yeah. of it's your instrument. Yeah, right. It's, all of it's your instrument. I think that's exactly right. And I also have this sort of like complex about not taking care of stuff in, in my life, which I, I you know, I, I, I has some kind of deep thing going on that I don't really want to get into. <laughs> that might be a level of therapy that I'm not ready for. Maybe we can get to that in mean, our next mean, session. Meanwhile, by the way, just so you know, Joe is over here like, uh, I get up every morning, train martial arts. No, yeah, like, yeah, I write well, like five articles. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, he's like a machine. I don't even want to. Yeah, like, but anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> again, I'm so, Joe can't even relate to this I'm just so glad we're not in our 20s because I would be comparing myself to Joe. I'm not I have a I have a good habit of putting things away nicely like I'm, I'm good at like putting my stuff away nicely mm-hmm. um, but I'm also I have a bad habit of just like not putting shit away yeah. <laughs> that's because I put it away nicely so it takes effort you know so right, it's like yeah. I just leave shit everywhere so I'm not that great about taking care of well, things in I, my life either. I have, <laughs> I have stuff I don't need yeah. but I don't even yet know what the stuff that I don't need is yet. yeah and like I have a lot of broken stuff <laughs> I, just yesterday I replaced this reverb unit in this amp that I've had with a broken reverb for 10 years. Mm-hmm. The reverb has broken, been broken for 10 years. And it cost me $20 <laughs> yeah. to replace the rever- reverb tank. Yeah. Would it cost you 10, 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got fucked. Right, that's why I'm doing yeah. it now <laughs> instead of paying 40 uh, yeah. when I'm... <laughs> yeah, exactly. You really did yourself on that one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know how many bitcoins that's worth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I have only a few objects that I just know, like even if I was homeless and alone, that I know that I'd still be walking around with, even if I couldn't use them. That's mm-hmm. my Roland Space Echo and, yeah. and my uh, uh, sequential synthesizer. Maybe you were gonna say the spe- Space Echo. Yeah, I mean like I- And now if, launch into the scene from the Jerk. 
And this phone book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And this paddle game. Oh. That's all. It's just this. <laughs> but I mean, it really, that's it's, so. That's you know. But but I will say that I think the motor's out on my space echo. So. I'm going to have to go find one and replace my, it. Do you know anybody's going to Maybe you should bring it over to my <laughs> shop. Yeah, exactly. You're just going to end up with we'll this. We'll take a look at it. Do you realize? <laughs> I got a shade tree out back. <laughs> do you realize <laughs> how, how quickly you we'll just put converted? it up on the rack? <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you used to, like four minutes ago, you called it your studio. Now it's a shop. Like, you see how quickly this happened? <laughs> no, the shop's in a separate spot. Oh. <laughs> There's a pass-through window. It's in the back. <laughs> That's right. The studio is actually actually in an old it, it was a coal storage room like the rest of the basement had a floor I mean has a, a a poured floor in it but this is like this like weird room that was actually really terrifying when we bought the house mm-hmm. to look in there and had all these ladies dresses in there Ooh, and like just dirt and shingles on the floor um, so like I had to like build a floor like a mm-hmm. floating floor and like frame walls onto concrete how did I get onto this but the shop is actually around the corner yeah. in a different location <laughs> the shop so um so I was curious um you're on our podcast do you actually know what we do here we actually uh, sometimes talk about things that have to do with combat sports yeah <laughs> I'm aware of that and, but I, and I always like to get a feeler for like how this makes you feel or anyone else feel because I want to talk about it because yeah. some, sometimes the people are a little averse I don't or, know anything about or it. they're mystified by the way Georgia uh, did thank us for ans- answering her question oh good uh, thank you for your question Georgia was a few episodes back but she yeah I ran into her that was on our anniversary episode wasn't yeah, it right. it was our, our, our was it our first episode of the new season or our last episode yeah, of I don't the know. first season it was a special episode and of course if it was that, if we're gonna have a special day we had yeah. to talk about our friend Georgia that's right yeah but um, answer hey, Georgia question. she's just wanna, like why, yeah. why do y'all like that yeah um, but y'all anyway. it's gross y'all but I just <laughs> yeah. but it's pretty but good I think sometimes people don't realize like why we're even doing this and it's it's probably weird for any audience that we've been able to put together because they're like wait one episode they're talking about this one episode they're talking about that but there is a correlation yeah huge and, for uh, instance yeah. how, for well, our audience I, I connect to the art fight idea yeah versus without the, a comma yeah 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 for, 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 for our listeners who we're not on video yet we will be on video soon as soon as we have a million uh, pledges of 99 cents each at our anchor site um, th- then we'll get a little tiny camera we'll put this on but, um, uh, but uh, we'll get but a GoPro how tall how tall are you Matt three GoPros how tall are you and Mac? then like the user can sw- do a camera switching yeah totally like like um, like a blue, one of those blu-rays where you can switch the camera angles if, if, we, right. get, yeah. if we get a million pledges at 99 cents a month subscribers I will wear a GoPro on my head 24 hours a day okay well actually that'll kill the numbers pretty quickly so never mind you know what there's like already like 50 people doing that that were like 22 years old that's and getting, making millions of dollars doing it mm-hmm. alright that's a pretty crowded market it's called vanity that's <laughs> how tall are you marketing Mac? Uh, that's that seems like a personal question, Jim. Mm. Mac's a tall guy. Yeah. Mac has I think long I'm limbs, six feet yeah. two, and I think Mac is kind of built for fighting. Frankly, kickboxing, yeah, at the very least. Well, I got the, the range. range, the range on this guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and all the rage inside his and the rage. I do have the rage. <laughs> yeah, I did take a I kickboxing the, class. The cage just, rage. Like, I was, I was definitely the guy. 
<laughs> the, te- the teacher had to come over too and say, "Okay, you can stop now." <laughs> They're like, "Your technique's pretty good. You maybe uh, come off the crying a little bit." Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> walk it back. Walk it back. <laughs> no, but like you know, this is like Joe and I would always just more have kicking, these, less Joe screaming. Joe and I would always be in these art happenings in town or whatever with yeah. all like the art community, and we would be like, "Did you see the fight last night?" And we'd be like the only people closeted oh, yeah. that can talk about this right. stuff, mm-hmm. and then so we just decided just to take it out on and put it into the digital airwaves because we find it to be all related like our next I get it one of our next let's see next week we're having on uh, this guy Robin Black who is uh, like a really amazing MMA commentator and, and uh, analyst mm-hmm. analyst and, especially uh, yeah yeah that's probably first analyst and consequently sort of a, uh, yeah. a commentator but but he's he's one of the only people that we feel a likeness to in terms of like uh, and also it's funny because he comes from being in music and some other stuff and he practiced martial arts he started fighting professionally when he was in his late 30s mm-hmm. and he had like four or five fights or something well, he had like no he had nine fights did he, he was, have that many he ended up oh, four, wow. he ended up with a record of four and five Maybe and that's then was gonna have of, a yeah. fifth or a tenth fight but then the guy backed out or something happened but anyway you know he started training really late uh, but he's just such a like fiery and uh, interesting character, and mm-hmm. he's 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 really gone way down the path uh, of uh, finding sort of the beauty and all of it. And so, uh, yeah, just check him out. Anybody that wants to just understand a little bit more, I would say he's kind of a godfather of a lot of the stuff that yeah. we just kind of found ourselves into. And then when you right. discover Robin Black, you're like, yeah. And here's the thing: like you got to be in in the zone for it. Like you, he goes, he'll have like two hour tangential sort of. Uh, um, you know, I love it. I mean, but, it's but exactly it's, right. <laughs> yeah, just this creative like cloud of ideas that sort of flows, and it's like, and I, I, I like he'll even joke about how it's not really for everybody, but it's certainly for me. And for me, it's like Bruce Lee, Robin Black, Brian Siskin. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh, like, uh, that's the hierarchy. For me, it's Sensei Joe and Sensei Joe. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's like, yeah, it really is that. And so we've always talked about that, that whole connection, like the, just the, the inherent creativity in the martial arts when you see it done right, you know, mm-hmm. and also all the weird fold over of, you know, the one of the greatest cinema genres is martial arts action. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of artistic ways that, you know, are like in Kung Fu. So much of it is actually, you know, theatrical traditions and, and you know, uh, opera traditions and all this stuff. So the, the connection to the arts is it's right there if you want to see it nobody knows this better than Joe <laughs> I mean I believe that yeah. I mean but I think too that it's it's uh it's it's one of these things where like, when when you're worried about like you know or one of us is worried about oh am I getting this am I doing making this whatever video or song or whatever it is that we're doing it, you know how is this edit or like you're stewing over these little things and then like getting back to sort of like what I was talking about where I'm like just realize that no one really cares that's kind of a weird way of just saying like uh, this is not important you know uh, ultimately I don't know how to say this where it really gets to what I'm trying to say I feel like that's the gateway to sort of progress is just sort of take the pressure off but when you're looking at people that are fighting and they're locked in a cage with each other and you know it's like one you know two women that are 135 pounds that have been training their whole lives for this moment and all eyes and all of the compression of the moment and everything and who's gonna have it be just instinct and who's gonna be in flow state and who's gonna you know just yeah. all of that stuff coming together right there's just nothing more exciting than seeing how that plays out with those kind of uh, well, uh, consequences on the line yeah. Yeah. and so and so really feeds it's been so 
uh, you know, forget like even practicing martial arts, whatever, but just, just understanding it from an observational standpoint, as well as I've been able to muster, you know, so far, it's been so informing, uh, informative to like all of the, I feel like I'm sort of like a mental martial artist. Mm-hmm. Well, I get that because I, I can, I, I have the same slow. feeling about sports in mm-hmm. general and yeah, I don't understand yeah. like yeah. why people say they don't like sports because and you know there's a, there is there are many layers to this metaphor because like when you say like when you're sort of like trying to get a sound or doing some of your studio like ultimately it doesn't matter and nobody cares and that's kind of ultimately true when you're like watching like two of the world's best tennis players like play each other is it really does it really matter um or like two football teams or someone trying to win the Tour de France or something else like that. But then looked at it another way, it's like, okay, what you're watching unfolding live on your TV is like somebody who is one of the very best in the world of Mm -hmm. whatever it is they're doing, wanting to accomplish this thing more than anything else they want. And then someone else who is also one of the best in the world (laughs) at what they're doing. Right wanting so desperately to prevent that yeah <laughs> and it's incredible drama yeah i agree but it's also like i think you know i i think like after listening to that podcast you did with ariel i was thinking oh the art fight, art fight. <laughs> it's the art fight yeah yeah i, I i'm in the art fight yeah well, I, I, yeah no it's true i mean also like lyrically like people can you know, make assertions to combat something that's happening in the world or or it could just be an independent process where you're just like, I'm just battling myself to try to make these right. things happen and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the reason why we care about those things is because we relate to them. I mean, even if you're not like actually fighting someone in a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You relate so maybe to the like, struggle, man. What happens if one of my beats fought one of your heartfelt songs? <laughs> Uh, well your beats would go low like around a <laughs> hundred hertz or something like that and sort of diving for the diving <laughs> yeah. for the double shoestring yeah. shoestring tackle <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know I don't know um, I, I wanted to play football so bad and, and I'm so glad that my mom realized that like that was the dumbest thing because I'm not a tall person or a big person and uh, she she literally told me when I was a kid she's like you'll die <laughs> like it's so much for like support I don't know you could have been a good kicker yeah right not even that because I wouldn't have like the whatever the I don't know unless I if I was from Argentina yes yeah mm-hmm. I, you know right Brian Siskin from North Carolina that's not a kicker no no it's funny I, I used to work with a guy who was a, a, a college football kicker um, for a pretty prominent school that will go unnamed because I don't care. But um, it was really interesting to talk to him because like he, now he's like in sales. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like what the psychology of a kicker and like what you have to do for reps. And I just can't to, like, imagine the psychology of a kicker. Right? Yeah. I asked him like a thousand questions. I play golf sometimes. I th- yeah, right. He was probably and, like, I th- it, he, he probably said something along the lines of like, enduring your line of questioning and curiosity about <laughs> me being a kicker is actually harder than what it is to be a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> I've never That's felt great. more pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fascinated by golf, honestly, uh-huh. because I, I feel like, okay, you, you, there's this like inanimate object sitting there and you are choosing a time to walk up to it and like swing a club out as hard as you can. 
<laughs> and like everything's on the line every, every time you do it. Uh, no pressure. Yeah. I, I golf. I mean the kicker thing. I just can't like those clinch kicks. Like how can you? You you have to like you you have to like be mentally really healthy. I would mm-hmm. think to pull that off. Or just a complete or, nutcase. Right. Like a sociopath almost. Like I'm immune to. You know, I, have, I don't even have the capacity for empathy. So why do I care? You know, right. something. <laughs> yeah, like I can't feel anything. Yeah, like I bet Jeffrey Dahmer would have been a, a great kicker. He just <laughs> missed his calling. <laughs> Ooh, that was it. That they, they, like, like if they would only let Hitler have that gallery show, everything oh, would have geez. been different. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an art fight, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, um, so Mac, uh, do you have any? Um, Flash websites you'd like to call out or uh, <laughs> no? Uh, I, I do not. Are you on? I actually, the, are you, you back know, on the grid? I haven't done that thing where I like check and see if all if any of my old websites are are still around because I think maybe one of them or possibly two of them might be. Mm. Do you have anything that's public facing where people that have listened to this entire conversation? I now think are like, I do. I want to hear what this guy makes because he's making his own microphones, <laughs> and I got to know well, what's going on. Well, I have on. my solo records up. Yeah. Um, One's called Elsewhere, right? Elsewhere. And then what's the other one? Blind Spot. Blind Spot, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Max Starks. Go, yeah, go, try to go to maxdarks.com and see what happens. I think there's something there. But you can probably find it through... If there's a Spotify uh, yeah. um, embed at maxdarks.com. Sweet. Um, and do you have any... But it's like that, you know, it's not what I'm doing now. <laughs> sure, right, yeah. But, well, I, but it's I a starting something. place for people, though, because I yeah. think it's cool to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, yeah. Like I don't. Really, I don't really know how Bandcamp works, but like I have something there too, and like mm-hmm. I think people can actually. It's like a good spot. Sort of get on a mailing list there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do web things, but I don't really know anything about my own web things. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. To, like it's nice to have somebody do what, like what you do for others. It's nice to have somebody just do for you because it's so hard to make stuff about <laughs> yourself and, yeah, and self promote and all this stuff. Plus, I just you know, I mean, I, I I will be putting stuff out into the world soon, but I haven't done so in a long time, so there hasn't been a whole lot of reason for me to pay attention to it. Well, yeah. the good news is the full length album is a dead concept. You can just release one no, song. No, I'm now. excited about doing that actually. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> need to get one song ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, um, but I, I do sort of foresee a future of just like recording something, putting it up, recording something, putting it up. I love it. And then like, I mean, I, I, I do, I will never let go of the, the, my love for an album. So I like, yeah. we'll, like always continue to sort of think about it in that way. But shoot, there's no reason to be like precious about releasing things. Well, mm. the cool thing is you have so much life that you have lived between 2006 and now you're gonna have so much to mine and say and different perspectives to yeah I think that's to, true to wield and different things to sort of process and I know a lot of it's based on sort of gratitude and you know I mean, you've got an amazing family and a great place to live and an amazing job working with great people and such cool friends and, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> guys and I'm pretty sure you just rolled up here in a Prius oh man is that a Prius oh you bloomed the cover alright so I mean I'm not sure what else you want out of life, man, but, you know, if you, if you <laughs> just, need... Just need more fizzy water. That's all I ever wanted. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you got any shout-out uh, things, self-promoting things? Self-promoting things. Any um, events? You, you played uh, a house show or a backyard yeah, party thing? I did. We did that on Saturday, and I'm going to... The next show I have is at uh, back at Fond Object on November 8th, which is Thursday, November 8th, so it's a couple weeks from now. 
November 8th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we have a podcast on November 8th. I don't think we do have one scheduled. Okay. We have it on the 7th, I believe. I think I put it on Wednesday on purpose. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. November 8th is going to be such a good time of year to like have a show yeah. there because you can yeah. get by the fire. Yeah, so for people who aren't from, from Nashville, that we, we do shows in the backyard of this record store and they light a fire and it's it's hopefully it'll be like you say, like be a perfect night. I actually talked to Steven there and he said that they're thinking that if they... If, if the weather gets weird at all that he's going to make space inside for shows um, so so it could be inside too which would also be cozy mm-hmm. you could I mean they've got that little gallery room but you can't fit a lot of people in there but we'll, we'll figure it out one way or another the show must go on it's going to be me um, my friend Andrew Adkins and um, Madeline uh, Besson and oh, so yeah. there'll probably be another one. You Dave know her? Coleman just made I was just gonna. I was gonna mention her, yeah, because she, yeah, she's told she, they they just made a record together, right? Yeah. Is that what, that's what's out right now? Mm-hmm. Do you know the name of that record? We'll play I it. Do for not. Do. Anyway, uh, I've only up, heard little bits and pieces. Look at Madeline Besson on on uh, Instagram. She's a really good singer. So awesome. Yeah. Um, I have some um, some photos in a show coming up around that time at the uh, the NBA Montgomery Bell oh, Academy. Okay. Oh, nice art show. Um, it's like an auction for MBA. Is that what it is? So, well, I suppose it's personally, it's some aspect of it goes to like, uh, you know, if I sell things and I guess they take a cut and it goes towards mm. something, I forget what the specifics are. But it's like, I think 60 different artists. So it's a pretty big kind That's of cool. wild show. But, uh, but It's a big annual tradition in Nashville. Yeah. So, but it's really amped up this year because Nashville Walls Project got involved. They're bringing Black Lerat, uh from Paris here mm. to present and do some... Uh, on campus murals and oh, cool. you know renowned international uh, street artists um, you know doing some cool stuff this is kind of leveled up I think in this year in a way that's uh, pretty cool so anyway I'm doing that and then um, I'm sure there's other things that I just don't remember right now but um, anyway hey Mac um, thank you very much for taking the time to be here I know you're working thank you your guys. ass off right now so I know it was it's a lot a pleasure. to get here this is fun this is a nice release from everything else yeah I'm sorry we didn't have any beer, but next time uh, you didn't even open I your buffalo. You didn't even open your, your white bison water that I brought you. <laughs> we are in no way affiliated with white We're, bison, <laughs> uh, but we could be. Yeah. I've always have I've you been seen wondering the how their coffee website? is. Can you tell me honestly? It's good. It's yeah. good. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, 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 it doesn't. It's, it's right there. It's yeah, pretty much it's what right fuels there. my podcast. Usually, I've yeah. just had so much coffee that I didn't get any more. The only thing I have, the only issue I have with white bison, especially the one on 12 South where they have a giant white bison sculpture outside, mm. is it's a little weird because it's just a little Native American perspective. Mm. The white buffalo is is the sacred sort of demarcation of the like sort of return to the like kind of like. End times kind it of thing. It would basically be like having a Return of Christ statue right. outside of a coffee shop. Like they don't know. That's anyway. my coffee shop idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but anyway, so um, oh, and just to remind everybody, go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast, and you'll see a button that says support this podcast, and then you can give us ninety nine cents and become one of the one million people that are going to make us uh, one million have, strong, and we're going to have the best podcast million dollar month budget ever Fight army yeah well all right so um yeah thanks again and uh i guess we'll just uh see you guys next week later
Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.